0: welcome to next gen movement our sole mission to empower tomorrow's leaders by harnessing and unleashing collective wisdom lessons and experiences of thought leaders within the community this is
1: chapter four of the next gen movement i've got ahmed imam the director of metropole property in sydney property investment strategist and also a real estate commentator regularly features in your investment Property magazine in Michael Yarney's property update. He's a proud father of two, a great husband, and diversity champion that has been giving a voice to the voiceless. So, without further ado, we'd like to introduce Ahmed to our little conversation here at the Next Gen Movement.
0: Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Andre. And, uh, and great introduction. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Thanks, man. I didn't want to make it too robotic. We're still kind of learning how to, <laughs> how to play with the introductions, but we um, yeah. feel it's it's obviously important to kind of mention what you do for your day job and and give you the 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 proper introduction. So, with that being said, Zach, do you want to kick us off?
2: Yeah, man. I'm 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 really keen to get into this and. Uh... From um, I guess my own research, and you shared that story around when you were looking um, for a job, and you sent a number of interviews, a number of resumes out, uh, and didn't get a response with your your real name and then you changed your name to an alias and, and you got a, a much better response. I mean, can you just give us a little bit of context around what happened
0: and what, the, what, what that was like? Yeah, sure. I mean, this, this was a situation that happened to me about six years ago. Um, I was struggling to, to look for work at that time um, as, as I, was in a, I was in a situation where I was changing careers, essentially. Um, I had sent my resume out to a number of recruiters um, under my name, of course, and uh, sent it out to about you know, 20, 30 different recruiters. And I, I got the standard rejection email back from them. And um, after speaking to a few friends and, and, and just racking my brain as to why that was, I made the decision to change the name on a resume to Adam Smith, you know, which was the most anglicized name that I could think of. Um, sent it out to the exact same 20 to 30 recruiters just to see what would happen and the very next day I got four callbacks um, and it was um, confronting um and, and so i I decided to record a video about it because um, it was a very strong pain point for me um, and I was hoping that others would resonate with it and um, people did people did genuinely resonate with with the message and and that struggle
2: yeah but and it's um I guess sharing my own experience. Like my full name is Zakir Abdeloui, right? Um, my dad's Moroccan. My first name is Indian. Um, I have I grew up in Cronulla, um, so you know, particularly around the right time, like it was. It was I, I guess yeah, I'd I'd been someone that had always had to spell their name, um, and always kind of struggled with particularly in, in in the Western culture, you know being i guess a bit of a a you know, an outlier or or, or not included um, and that that fear and rejection i guess stem me to like walk away from my real name and it 's something that you know now getting a bit older i 'm starting to think well like i 'm a little bit more comfortable in my own skin I, I think I want to at some point, go back to my full name, and um, I guess, yeah, man it's just inspiring. Like, just to hear someone else's, I guess, experience from that. Um, so, mate, yeah, thank you.
0: No, I, I appreciate that, and um, it's. I think it became a powerful message because it had people reflect on, um, an, an unconscious bias essentially, and 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 I spoke to that in in the video, which is which is very important. I mean. For me personally, the biggest driver is my daughter, um, my three-year-old daughter. Um, I have a diverse family. Um, my wife is Australian. She's blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, I've got a, a 15-year-old stepdaughter who's, who's a redhead with freckles. <laughs> um, I've got a three-year-old daughter who's half Australian, half Egyptian. And she looks different. Um, just as just as I did, and I'm not going to have her struggle um, through through similar biases that I went through, and that for me is a very big motivator uh, for these videos that I'm doing.
3: Uh, yeah, dude, I, I remember watching that video, and I was actually RJ was the one that told me about it, and I got crazy goosebumps watching it. And yeah, there's part of my name, but I changed it from Christopher to Toe, like from a from a personal branding standpoint, but I think for me growing up, I was always a typical outcast kind of kid. I wasn't a pure Australian. I was born in New Zealand, but I have like Filipino background, Kiwi background. And um, growing up was, I did get bullied a fair bit. Um, I'd love to dive, uh, dive deep into your childhood background, mate, growing up um, with your, your ethnicity, your background, and how that's kind of shaped you as the person today, like even prior to the um, the resume debacle that you had dealt
0: with. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I my family immigrated to Australia in 1986 when I was uh, four years old. Um, I couldn't speak a word of English when I when I got here. I could speak Arabic fluently, uh, but I got thrown into into school in in kindergarten when I was five years old, and um, and just had to pick up the English. Um, which I did so I picked up the English. I actually lost the Arabic unfortunately in, in the process um, And so for me Arabic when I speak that now it's, it's very broken and it's almost it is my second language now I've I've now got an uh, what you would call an Australian accent um, But I always looked different um, and uh, I also have been you know bullied throughout my, my, my entire schooling um, for looking different and for having a different name um and a lot of people at that time didn't really understand what that name meant uh, and there was a lot of fear associated with the name as well um just in terms of the stereotypes you know what is Ahmed Imam? is Ahmed man middle eastern is Ahmed man muslim what does that even mean um and so there was a lot of bullying and and that caused a lot of a lot of pain for me um in my teens and 20s i wasn't as confident as i am now um and i wasn't as vocal uh, about me being who I am as, as I am now. Um, and, and so a lot of that was hidden and a lot of that was pushed inside out of fear um, that I wouldn't be accepted um, and, and just to conform. Um, and that's really sad when I think about it. It was only probably in my mid-20s, maybe approaching 30s, that I started to feel just completely comfortable with who I was as a person and what I represented, um, that I started talking about it openly and being vocal about it without any fear or, um, or, or, or any fear of judgments at all from, from anybody else. And so um, I'm in a position now where I'm actually now more confident than I've ever been about who I am. Um, and it's it's an amazing feeling, um, and and I think the way you,
2: <clears throat>
0: I think the way you project that is very important as well. Um, when people can see that you're projecting yourself with complete confidence and that it genuinely doesn't bother you, it actually genuinely then doesn't bother them, which is which, which is interesting. Um, and that's how I'm approaching my life right now. So it, it does come from a lot of pain. There's no doubt. And and we were talking earlier about purpose and and how purpose comes about. And purpose usually does stem from some level of pain or or painful experience that you've had. Um, And if my message can help empower even just a few people to just live their authentic selves and just be themselves um, without any fear of judgment, then I've very much done my part. And there's no greater feeling than, than seeing people reach out to me saying that, that very thing has happened and so if if i can continue that message um for me it'll it'll mean the world that's brilliant man
1: ahmed i just want to touch on something that you boys have been talking about and it's just come to mind my real name is Ranjit, and it became rj very young and i grew up in california which is a melting pot But I grew up in an environment where growing up as a kid, there's obviously a lot of bullying and it seems like we were all kind of exposed to that level of interaction and that kind of molded us to a degree as we were young. And a lot of the feeling separated occurred when we were young, right? And I grew up in an era where the Simpsons came out and Apu ran the Quickie Mart and that was (laughs) really the worst thing for me, man, because everyone started calling me Apu, Na- Nasa, Hama, people, wh- whatever his name is, right? And um, oh my God. Look, it was really traumatic as a young person, but I guess that really leads me to the question of how important, because one can say kids are going to be kids, but when you're a kid, it's quite traumatizing, right? Now, as an adult, we mm-hmm. look at it and be like, oh, well, it's not really a big deal, maybe. But how important do you think it is as a parent that we teach our children at a very young age to embrace diversity and how to treat people that may not look like them? Because to what I'm hearing through this conversation is that's where it all started for us.
0: Um, very, very much. And, and what's interesting is that it, we're actually not born to hate or to see any difference. Um, so it, it, comes, it comes at some point. Um, I don't know, either through schooling or through our upbringing, where where this these these stereotypes are impressed on us. Um, but nobody should feel like the way they're born is an obstacle, or, or or will be an obstacle. And I was speaking to my daughter this morning about something similar. And um, my my daughter has you know what you would call um, Arab hair. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. And she- she hasn't taken my wife's genes of having straight hair. She's just got this crazy curly um, Afro. hair. You know, it's, it's <laughs> so when she wakes up in the morning, the hair's like this, and it, it kind of looks like Krusty the Clown. And um, you know, I was I was saying, wow, your your hair's all over the place. And um, and I could see that mm. I could see that she um looking at my wife was starting to think that she was a bit different. Yeah. And I realized in that moment that you know, I had to follow it up with, you know, your hair is just beautiful. You know, you've got beautiful hair just the way it is. Um, and so I think a lot of these, a lot of these uh, stereotypes or images or, or, or being self-conscious uh, can actually start quite early as a child. And, and the worst thing you can have is a child thinking that the way they are, um as themselves is an obstacle and will be an obstacle. So it needs to be embedded very, very early. And the language that we use with our children has to be very powerful as well.
2: Yeah, I guess, <clears throat> I mean, if if you can go back, cause I'm, I'm curious as well, right? Like growing up, I, I was the token WOG, right? And and you know my dad's from North Africa, so <laughs> it's um it's yeah it was uh, it was it was quite funny. But mate, I I retracted a, as a kid because of that um, label that I was that I was given, and I guess I I had to use sport um, as my mechanism to kind of overcome um, that separation and, I, and I'm curious how did you deal with that um, like bullying and the labels that you were you were um, provided as a kid and, and what did you do to get through that
0: to be honest I didn't actually deal with it well um, if, if I had the tools and, and knowledge that I had now I would have dealt dealt with it much differently but I became um, in my early years I was actually really confident and um, and rather extroverted, um, but then as I became self-conscious of my appearance and the fact that I was different And being labeled as different. I actually um, went into my shell and became relatively introverted um, Which which wasn't even me um, so I was, I, was, I was actually becoming a, a different a Different person as a result of other people's labels on, on me, which is which is ironic um, I developed my confidence i'd say more so in the 20s and 30s and and i did that by doing a a lot of a lot of what i thought was challenging my own fears Um, and and at that time because i was very introverted my biggest fear at that time was speaking Um, and so i would volunteer to do a lot of speaking arrangements um mc weddings um you know just just get out there and do a lot of public speaking and as much public speaking as i could and that, to me, was challenging that fear and helping me come out of my, my box. Um, and that's, um, that helped. That helped. But I didn't actually deal with it well. And I wish I had the tools back then that I knew now in terms of you know, dealing with it uh, from a mindset perspective and, um, and, and challenging other people um, and challenging their beliefs as opposed to just absorbing what they're, they're saying as, as being true and gospel.
3: Ahmad, um, you were talking about how you've kind of embraced imperfections in a way, which I think is something um, powerful to teach kids because you can't be perfect. I saw an amazing TED talk of Brene Brown the other day and that's what she said. She's like if we teach our kids, look, you're not perfect, but that's what I love about you and we should give them love and desire. It's It's something really beautiful and should be imperative in a childhood growing up.
0: Yep.
3: With I I really resonate with how you said you hid behind a shell because that's, that's for me as well. I was always trying to fit in. It it probably was the, probably the start of my people pleasing, um, era at one point, safe to say that's diminished a fair bit. Um, but watching how like your journey and listening to it now, and even that video that you posted, um, you were saying the employers really wanted to embrace, diversity, but they, it was kind of the recruiters at one point, we're not here to put blame or anything, Mm -hmm. but I would love to know how, um, it's it's actually comes to a community question with, we we put it on LinkedIn because we want to get their understanding and see if there's any burning questions for you. Um, Got a lot of great responses, but Thomas Miller from Great Barrington, Massachusetts, he asks, I would love to hear him talk about how companies can enhance. Their cultural competence. Now, this this comes back to how. Would love to know. Like, this is following up since that video, since you've employed, and they got to understand your real name, not Adam Smith. (laughs) Like, like, how can companies um, embrace that cultural
0: competence? Um, I think it's having the conversation about the difference between diversity and inclusion. we've been talking about diversity and diversity is essentially the who and and the what um who is being recruited um you know what do they do what can they do for us inclusion is more so the how um, how are we going to actually embrace diversity and and celebrate it within the workforce and what i've done since that video is not only engaged with a number of people that have just been doing that and, and actively Training leaders and executives on how to embrace inclusion, um, but also doing my own research in terms of other companies that are doing it really well. And there are companies that are doing it really well and, and pioneers in the space. I mean, uh, people like uh, Coca Cola and 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 Disney and and Marriott Hotels are just a few that come to mind, and they've all got their own not only diversity and inclusion programs, but it's also part of their values as in their core company values. Um, So it's not just standard values that you hear like integrity and honesty, diversity and inclusion is part of their core values. And and that is powerful. And it's especially powerful in this era because right now I, I can feel that things are different. I can feel that people now are a lot more receptive to this conversation. As long as we're having this conversation and using the right language, and it's important now more than ever that people see companies stand for something. You have to stand for something and it has to be a core belief that the company has to humanize the company. Um, millennials especially are gravitating towards companies that, that stand for something and that actually mean something. They need purpose in, in their jobs. They don't just want to work for a company that... It talks about the same values like integrity and honesty and trust. I mean, that's all well and good and that's needed in the workplace. But what do you actually do? What do you actually stand for? So I've been trying to do as much research as I can. I'm not an expert in this space and I'll preface by saying that. I'm, I haven't studied diversity. I haven't studied inclusion. I'm just someone that has experienced it firsthand. Um, I'm someone that is very passionate about it and I'm happy to be a voice Um, for for diversity as long as we can continue having these conversations in in a positive way.
1: Ahmed, you and I had a conversation yesterday offline and it's of my opinion that there is no better person that this topic could have been bestowed upon. And the reason being is because you're a gentleman and because you're very mindful of how you tread and you do not use this is a platform for self-propagation. And I respect you for that, mate.
0: Thank you. I want to
1: ask you the question though, why do you think the word diversity scares some people? Um,
0: I think diversity itself as a word can be a trigger to certain people. Um, and it can be a trigger to certain people depending on their personal experiences, with different forms of diversity, whether that be race or culture or religion or age or disability or mental health, um, whatever it might be, everybody has been rejected in some way, shape or form. And everybody has at least had first or secondhand contact with, I don't want to use the word racism or discrimination um, because they're powerful words, but that is what rings to mind for a lot of people when diversity is brought up. Um, And they are very They can be very dangerous words to use um, because the first thing you think about is conflict Um, You think about conflict you think about division Um, and for a lot of people that's very real Um, a lot of people have experienced very real and painful moments um, when diversity comes up Um, for race for age for gender and it's a serious topic um, it's important and, and just on your point in terms of how I'm approaching this topic, it's important that we use the right words. Um, I prefer to use the word bias because I'm a firm believer that a lot of people aren't inherently um, you know, and, and intentionally trying to harm people or trying to offend people. This is just an unknown bias or an unconscious bias that we have, and with an unconscious bias, there's a series of assumptions that are made. And assumptions are in themselves very dangerous. And we're speaking about this offline. Um, assumptions like um, hiring someone that is 55 years old would mean that you know they they wouldn't be able to use a computer or use social media or use technology. Um, or hiring a, a female will mean that she's going to take maternity leave at some point, And that's not going to be productive for the business or hiring someone in a wheelchair um, is going to mean that we're going to have to put in ramps and, and that's going to be an extra cost. And how's it going to impact on everybody else? are assumptions um, in the same way, the assumption was made on me um, that hiring someone by the name Ahmed Imam um, means that he's not going to fit in culturally because from what I've seen, um, a lot of people in a business are predominantly white and male, um, and that was an assumption, and it was an incorrect one. You know, the, because in, in my particular situation, they wanted more diversity. Um, I hope that answered the question.
2: Yeah, that was a good answer. Yeah, absolutely did. Um, and I've got a um <clears throat> a question from uh Ritu Riat from San Francisco. She says, uh, I can't tell you how many times my name has been changed to Rita, as if I misspelt my name. If we are going to tackle the diversity, inclusion and belonging, then we need to start turning inwards and looking at our own unconscious biases. What, we all have them, but what are we going to do about it?
0: Um, I think diversity itself for me is understanding that everybody is unique Um, but not only that recognizing and embracing and celebrating that uniqueness I think we need to talk about it you know just like we're doing now um, and talk about it with a view of of optimism Um, embrace who we are completely embrace who we are if we have names that are to other people considered a little bit strange, embrace it. Um, just absolutely rock it um, and put it out there. And and now's a time where we can build on our personal brands um, and and empower ourselves with our personal brands. And the more we do that, the more people are going to become comfortable with names that they might perceive to be unorthodox names. You know, it's, it's only once we, um, you know, so, succumb to the pressure of having to change names just to appease other people that it's going to continue continue on. Um, but a lot of it is understanding. A lot of it is education. Being completely positive with with our differences, um, our differences in culture, our differences in religion and, and ages, um, and embracing that collectively is, is certainly going to help. And that leads into the inclusion conversation more so than a diversity conversation, I think.
2: Yeah, mate, that's that's phenomenal, and I can see it's it's that um, that vision and and that's the message you want to instill into you know the the next generation, in particular, you, you know your little daughter that's three. I mean, imagine how she's going to be able to tread through the world knowing what she knows through having a, a you know father and a mentor such as yourself. So, mate, I, I applaud you. It's phenomenal.
0: Thank you. That's that's really nice, mate. And that's it's. It's my biggest motivating factor. Um, I, 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 I don't want her going through that. Um, I, I won't have her going through that. You know, So it's it's going to really drive me um, with this very small mission that I have.
3: That's it's beautiful, man. I And I really do respect that because all of us know what it's like to be bullied, mainly from like a childhood perspective. Um, and then there's like bullying in the workplace, too which is a different beast in itself. Mm. Um, I know what it feels like to be on both ends of the spectrum to be bullied and to be the bully. i not proud of the, the latter. Um, but I, I managed to snap out of it when I was going, this isn't the way I should be treating people. I should be treating others how I should want to be treated. And it was probably something I was projecting because I wasn't happy at the at world and society then. Um, and then I was able to remove stereotypes because I'm like, I'm my own stereotype in a way. Um, but what this ties into, I thought I'd give a little bit of context, is about workplace bullying. And it is a community question from uh, Melissa Arman. And she's from Birmingham, Alabama. And she's talking about how there is frustration and anxiety fitting in when the top, people, top popular people don't like you. Um, if there is constant backstabbing and complaining behind someone's back. And, it's, and it could start with like your supervisor Um, on top of other employees of different departments. But she asked, what is the best way to address this when you feel like you have no one to tell or to back you up?
0: First of all, a very difficult position to be in. I I think every business um, that has a HR department and that should have a HR department should be completely across this. Um, Especially now in 2019, diversity and inclusion um, are fundamentals that every organization needs to start stepping towards if they're going to be future-proofed it's it's gonna be a non-negotiable and and that's because we are um, whether people like it or not as a society becoming more and more diverse as time goes on Um, we're only going to become even more diverse Um, and the need to have these discussions and the need to feel like you're comfortable in a workplace is going to be more and more prevalent um, and so I would, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, what was the lady's name? Uh,
3: her name was not Melissa
0: Armin. I would have Melissa instantly reach out to her HR department and have those conversations. Um, and if there's any hostility or restriction, then she needs to think about whether or not the business's values actually align with her personal values. Um, yeah. Because if, if they don't, then that's, that's an even more uh, inherent problem. Um, but I certainly feel for her, and um, and I hope that can resolve itself.
2: Um, and I'm I'm curious as well. I'm going to jump in. Um, you talked a lot about values in the last couple of you know last forty minutes. Um, I I believe one thing you said. You know, the integrity, do the right thing. Like, I see some companies, and that's part of their value. Like for me, I think that's just that's just the price we got to pay to play in the space. Of 2019 yep. um i mean what what are some of your values and your company's values because it feels looking from the outside in you've got quite a strong alliance to the company that you work with and having been a director with them um now it's uh yeah mate i'm, I'm curious
0: um i i'm i'm blessed to work with for a very diverse company um and and diverse in many respects we've got We've got the oldest person here that's, that's 65 years old. We've got the youngest person that's 24. Um, we've got many different um, races and cultures and, and religions here, and it's, it's incredible. Um, it's, it's, it just really does come together in the sense that everybody has a different perspective and a different approach to problems. Um, if we all um, were from the exact same demographic, we'd all come to the same solution or we wouldn't be able to find a solution. But we can have our meetings, our weekly meetings, and come with so many different perspectives that it adds so much different light um, to to different topics. Um, To answer your question though, um, we've got a few different values. Diversity and inclusion is definitely one of those values. Um, Customer obsession is another value. Um, integrity is 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 a value Um, do the right thing is actually a value and and do the right thing not only encompasses ethics um, but honesty Um, every single value and and I was actually part of the process of developing these values every single value that we had I wanted I wanted to have it mean something to me Um, I, I didn't want it to just be some fluff I wanted to actually resonate with me on a personal level because if you can have a personal value align with your company value, you will be fulfilled. And, and conversely, if, if your personal values don't align with your core company values, there's always going to be some level of conflict there. I, I can guarantee that. And that's an important message when you're looking for other businesses. Uh, when you're looking to work for other businesses or other companies, look at their values. Um, and don't be afraid in the interview to ask a business what their values are because they do have to align with, with what you do.
1: You, Ahmed, you brought up a, a really good point on, I actually made a video about this on the back of your initial video about embracing diversity and, conclu- and inclusion, and how this can help your firm create a competitive advantage because ultimately the marketplace Is represented by people that come from various demographics and cultures and age groups and to have a firm that's only represented by a very small subset of the community you're actually not going to be devising a product or service that is going to be as dynamic versus if you had a multitude or array of different types of individuals coming with different types of skills and backgrounds and cultures because when you approach a problem with different types of uh, backgrounds, whether it be culture, age, um, sex, you, in my experience, will typically come up with something that's much more dynamic because you're looking at things from you know, different angles, right? So it's a very good point. Um, and on the back of that, I want to ask a question that was actually posed to us by Andy Stork, out of Orlando. Now it's an interesting question because to some degree it doesn't really address the the greater problem, but it does touch on how to alleviate some of the biases that may be occurring within job applicants. So what he wants to know is or well, what he says is more companies are taking names off of resumes. Do you think that this could be an immediate answer or short-term fix for the issue at hand?
0: There's, there's a lot of companies that I've actually spoken to since um, recording my initial video and a lot of recruiters that have come forward about some new technology that they're, they're implementing um, going forward and that is centered around blind hiring. You know, it's, it's centered around technology where you can actually apply for a role without having to put your name or age or gender or anything like that and you are either presented um, with an interview um or not purely based on your merits um, your qualifications your experience your ability to perform at the role and every bias that could actually come into it is is removed Um, i think that is a very positive step forward Um, is that a complete solution i think it's part of the solution i think i think that combines with having a large focus on on inclusion in the workplace um, and not only that Having the executives and managers and leaders of an organization completely put it on the table, Um, not hold anything back. Um, The executives and leaders can't have any strong personal beliefs held back. They need to challenge their own personal beliefs. And if that requires any form of training or, or third party to enter the organization to help them challenge that, to move forward so that they can open it up to more of a diverse and inclusive workforce, then they need to do that. Um, but to answer your question, will it help in an interview process? Yeah, I think it's a very positive step forward and I'd love to see more of that.
3: Um, in, in, um, when you responded to Zach before, you, you mentioned the place you work at is uh, versatile. I, that's the best way I look at it we you've got a gentleman or you've got people working in their 50s, you've got a, mm-hmm. um, someone who's uh, early 20s, you've got people of all races and gender. Going to the age one in particular, mm-hmm. something I'm personally curious about, mm-hmm. um, I've always been the toddler of the group in everything that I do. Now, it's starting to change because I'm getting into my late 20s um, yeah. and I look really young because of my background. Um, <laughs> it, it's been yeah. It's taken me a bit of courage to finally to finally feel accepted into who I am and to not have any of that shame around yeah. my age, because I, I do want to, because I'm a bit of a go-getter in that way. But I'd love to know, like, what are some of the lessons you've learnt in the place you work at for, for the younger, for the younger demographic that you've worked with? So they do feel accepted because age, ageism is a bit of a thing these days.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, I felt age, so- Ageism is huge right now. And, and one thing I, a few things I've, I've learned out of this entire topic and, and conversation is that there's many other forms of bias. And what I was referring to was probably more so of a, of a, a racial bias or cultural bias, I mean, whatever you want to call that. Um, but many other forms of bias came to, to the forefront. Um, age bias being one of them, being a very, very important one. A lot of people right now, and from what I'm seeing is that people that are 45 plus uh, that are out of work are finding it difficult to, to enter the workforce again. Um, again, based on a number of unconscious biases, you know, and and what their age might imply, whether that to some people implies that they lack the energy that a younger person might have, um, or they aren't able to embrace technology like a younger person might, whatever it is, you know, the fact that we are having people that are 45 plus 50 plus, 55 plus, with 20, 30 years of targeted work experience and people that have been through adversity and people that have overcome many different problems and found solutions, um, that they're finding it difficult to, to find work because of their age is, is just unbelievable to me. And and conversely, um, on the flip side, um, the younger generation. Um, the younger generation are also finding it difficult in some capacities to enter probably more established Places because of uh, the unconscious bias there that they may not have the ability or or, or tenacity or experience um, to get involved and handle some of their projects. Um, Age bias um, is is a very sensitive topic to most and it needs to be handled very sensitively and and, and delicately Um, and it really saddens me to see especially um, some of the older people who we would see as, as mentors and people that are just incredibly experienced in this space, Mm -hmm. um, not being offered roles and and finding that it's an obstacle um, purely because of their age. Um, So I would like to explore that further. And I can't say that I've got the answers because I don't, Um, but I I definitely want to continue to explore that.
2: Um,
1: Ahmed, I have a question for you. And uh, this question comes from, Well, there's there's a few questions, but this particular question comes from Eric Dutton in Columbia, South Carolina. And you touched on it earlier when you talked about everyone has their individual uniqueness, but it is an interesting question. And I think it's something that I'd like you to answer. He asks if skin tone, accent, ethnicity, religion, and culture should be diverse, yet manner of thinking must be identical what did we accomplish
0: (laughs) i like that that's uh that's that's profound Mm. and i think he raises a very good point i mean i guess diversity shouldn't be limited to aesthetics Uh, it it shouldn't be limited to um, what we're born with um, aesthetically Um, it should be opened up to our way of thinking our creativity um, our mindsets um, so I think that's a very good point, and it's it's not an exclusive one. Um, one thing I was talking about with with a gentleman the other day is labeling, um, and and our propensity as humans to to label people, and it happens quite often with a lot of us, um, and a lot of us actually do it unintentionally. Um, for example, one label or question that I always receive is where are you from Um, and it happens all the time Um, and as as you can hear I've got a very um, Australian and and westernized accent and so if if I for example had had immigrated only a few years ago and had a very strong accent and somebody asked me that um, it wouldn't really be an issue because they'd be curious but but for me to have an Australian accent and receive a question like where are you from means that there's some other question that they want to ask Now, labeling is interesting because what we're trying to do is we're trying to put people in certain boxes just so that we can feel more comfortable in in understanding where they sit. Um, And we have to ask ourselves why do we need to do that? Um, You know, why do we need to to know where someone is from? Why do we need to know how old a female is or how much she weighs and and ask those questions? And I guess that that brings us to what we're talking about, the topic of diversity and inclusion, and also the topic of intent versus impact. I I think a lot of us don't have negative intentions. A lot of us have positive intentions when we're asking these questions, but we have to think about what is the impact on the other person? Is the other person going to feel uncomfortable by receiving that question and uncomfortable for having to answer it? And if they do, then we shouldn't be asking it, um, so we, we need to think about intent versus impact and and why we do feel the need to, to label people and put them in boxes so that we can feel comfortable. Um, just a thought sorry that that came that came across from uh, from your previous question.
1: no you know Ahmed, I think you you bring up an interesting point and I hope that it really disarms people. Um, we all have biases. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. Maybe it's tribal. Maybe it's something that is ingrained in our DNA, looking for similarities, looking for the differences uh, due to some perceived safety of the tribe. But we are living in an era where that threat no longer exists. Our villages aren't going to get raided, hopefully, and um, our food taken and people killed. And we're not living under that existential threat. And I think it is incumbent on us to start to create awareness and rise above some of the limited belief systems that seem to be inherent in our DNA code as human beings. And because I think that's the conversation we're having, I feel that everyone should feel disarmed because it's not us accusing anyone. It's us simply saying we all have it. We just need to recognize the shit.
0: But right we we need to challenge it. you know we need to put up a mirror and reflect the behavior that 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 we're all you know that we're all projecting um, and just challenge why we're actually projecting that behavior and where does it actually come from and and just understand it, but talk yeah. about it let's let's talk about it, and that's my main message. Let's just talk about it and try and find out why this is happening
3: yeah. Before we wrap things up, Ahmed, I I really just want to, on behalf of the three of us, just really appreciate and acknowledge you for who you are and to bring a lot of light to this topic. It's given me not only like goosebumps hearing you speak and even the four of us speak of our own journey um, with diversity and inclusion belonging, but just how it's really... Shapes who you are who you become as a person and how you want to bring onto your daughter So she doesn't experience such pain and emotional pain can be a bit of a bitch sometimes um, But I just really want to thank you for who you are and the journey that you've taken on with this um, just want to give you 30 seconds to mm-hmm. plug whatever you've got coming up or mm-hmm. Maybe where people can find you What um, or any projects that you want to promote
0: so, yeah. yeah, sure. Thank, thank you. Um, look I Aside from the diversity and inclusion piece, and, and I will continue talking about that, um, given I have, have have a platform on, on LinkedIn and I, and I can be a voice to that, um, I, I generally do want people to reach out to me that are struggling. Um, and if, if I can assist in some capacity via private message or via email, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um what I do as a day job is I'm a, I'm a property investment strategist. You know I work for a company called Metropole Property Strategists. Um, I assist people with um, investing in property and how to invest in property. Um, and that is another reason that I'm on LinkedIn, of course. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me for that. Um, this is a very powerful topic um, and it's going to be an ongoing topic. Um, I will continue talking about it. I will continue being a voice for it. Um, I know we're going to come across a few obstacles in talking about it as well. Um, But I also know that the most powerful weapon is love. And if we approach this with love and with positivity, um, it's very difficult to argue with that. It's very difficult to argue with kindness um, and approaching things with kindness. And, And my favorite quote is, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. And... That is how I want to approach this topic. You know, let's just approach it with kindness and talk about it openly. And and I think with that, we're going to make a lot of progress.
2: Beautiful, brother. 100%. Mate, just before we go, um, what would be the one piece of game-changing advice that you could leave for the next generation?
0: (laughs) One thing that I always live by is if you are the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. (laughs) <laughs> you know, make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that you can learn from, um, uh, um, people that can teach you something, learn from their adversity, surround yourself with those people and, and just absorb and, and listen and, and learn. Um, that's the biggest piece of advice that I can give. And, and I wish I did that a very long time ago, but, uh, it's something that I'm embracing now.
2: Awesome, mate. Thank you so
1: much. My Love pleasure. It. Thank you so much for your time, mate. It was a conversation that I feel we're going to have a part two on. I, I feel the same. <laughs> there, there, there's so much uh, potential with this with this topic, and, and one can talk about it for hours, but super grateful for the time. Um, you know, you, you become a, a friend of mine, and and uh, you've mentored me as well in the short time that I've known you, so look, really appreciate everything you've done for myself but just for the the greater linkedin community man
0: i really appreciate that and and can i say what the three of you are doing is is incredible um you you really are making a a genuine difference and and bringing me on and and uh, having the courage to open up this topic and and dive deep into it is really testament to to what you three are, are prepared to do so i i really appreciate that I'm supporting you 100%. Um, anything that you need from here, I'm here for you. And I certainly wish you all the best. Thanks, Simon. Appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Thanks, guys.